Hello, everyone, and welcome to That Wellness Podcast with Natalie Deering. I am sitting here today with Dr. Robert Grant. Robert is a physician and co-founder of Healing Realms Psychotherapy, Inc. He is a physician specialized in internal medicine and pulmonary medicine, and he has 39 years of experience leading HIV research and clinical care. He actually pioneered the concept of an HIV prevention pill, which I feel like a lot of us are probably familiar with now called PrEP. He is training in psychedelic treatment and research, is a certified IFS therapist, and currently aims to develop the clinical craft of ketamine-assisted psychotherapy, which is what we will be diving into today. Welcome, Robert, to the podcast. Well, thank you for inviting me, Natalie. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. I know we were just chatting before we hit record. I know it's early where you're at. You are in, you're in San Francisco. Is that correct? Yes. I'm, I'm based in San Francisco and it's, uh, it's 8 a.m. here, but I've been up for several hours now. And oh, well. Working on different things. Well, good for you. <laughs> Getting up early, enjoying the sunrise. It is 11 a.m. here. I have a toddler. I have a three-year-old son. So regardless of it's a weekend or not, we're getting up, you know, at the same time early. <laughs> so my body's used to that, that early wake up rhythm. Yeah. I, I remember when my children were that age and uh, getting sleep when I could was the name of the game for both oh, yeah. their mother and I. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Exactly. And so I, I love to share with listeners how I know someone, if I do know them in, in certain ways and how I've connected with them. And and so I know you, Robert, because I attended your ketamine-assisted psychotherapy training, the live training that's over Zoom. I believe I finished that with you maybe a couple months ago. It wasn't too long ago. And I had received, you know, feedback from other IFS uh, therapists who had also attended that training with you saying how informational it was, how helpful. And parts of me were really feeling curious about this world of ketamine and especially how we can merge it and incorporate it with IFS. And so I've taken other trainings that have been pre-recorded that you've been in that have been, you know, focused on IFS and, uh, I'm yeah, I was really grateful to be able to to take that training with you and your great assistant trainers that are also a part of of that training. And we can talk more about that maybe towards the end and share with the listeners how they can maybe get involved with that themselves. But yeah, so that's how I have come to to know you and to be more informed in regards to what we call ketamine assisted psychotherapy and IFS. Well, and, and certainly I appreciate uh, the opportunity to, to teach and to teach uh, curious people like yourself. It's, it's really a thrill for me. And, you know, as I, as I transition from my generative phase of my life to elderhood, I, I really value any opportunity I, I can find for um, sharing uh, my perspectives. Um, I won't call it knowledge because all of it is very provisional. Um, and it's a work in progress. I learn and change my practice based on every client that I see. Mm. And, uh, and yet I love teaching. I love this kind of interaction. So thank you for inviting me to come. Yeah, of course. And I, I, I want to ask you, 
because I know you're a physician and that's your main background and you're fully, you know, trained in IFS as well. And so I'm really curious, how did you get involved with IFS? What was, I guess, your journey to internal family systems therapy? Did you find it or did it find you? Well, I think um, uh, like all meetings, they're important. It's 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 mutual being, um, but it, I, I would say it found me uh, or specifically um, I had become interested in MDMA-assisted psychotherapy um, when uh, when I was working as the chief medical officer of the San Francisco AIDS Foundation. I'd gotten to a point in my career where I felt that we had all of the technology, all the medicines we needed to end HIV transmission and disease. And yet, um, after several years, uh, we weren't doing it. We had, we knew what we needed to know. We had the tools, yet we weren't doing it. Uh, a, a dear, dear friend of mine um, died that year uh, uh, of HIV infection um, after he stopped his anti-HIV medicines. And it just it was devastating for me that, you know, he would walk away from life and the medicines that were sustaining his life. And I just realized in a very clear way that it's not that the, the major endeavors of, of human life are not all about science and technology. And so mm. I, I left my uh, laboratory uh, spiritually, if not actually, that happened years later. And um and, and started to work for the San Francisco AIDS Foundation where I learned about uh, post-traumatic stress disorder and substance use disorders and depression and stigma and all the different ways that we other uh, other people and, and, and divide ourselves and our spirits and, um, and became interested in what we might do about that. And that led me to read about MDMA work that was being pioneered by uh, Michael and Annie Mithoffer um, and, uh, and then I trained with, uh, Michael and Annie Mithoffer and, and he told me about, uh, internal family systems. And when I first oh, really? heard about it, yeah. And when I first heard about it, this was back in 19, uh, excuse me, 2016. So IFS was well-established by then, but, uh, you know, my clinical specialty is pulmonary and critical care medicine and HIV. So right. I, I didn't know about it, but it was well established by that time uh, through uh, Richard Schwartz and others in his community. Um, but Michael Midhoffer told me about it and I knew instantly that that I wanted to study that because um, mm -hmm. I, I knew in my own process that I was um, had this capacity for profound ambivalence about just about everything in my life and and you know people and, and because I feel very strongly both for and against any decision I might make and um and people say well that's that's uh, apathy and that's sort of lack of executive function there's all kinds of judgmental ways to to um contemplate ambivalence mm -hmm. but for me it's it's just very I have very strongly polarized parts and you know, mm. one feels very strongly that I should do something and then there's another that feels just as strongly that I should not do something that same thing and right and, and this has been my whole life you know do I study medicine or do I write poetry do I mm. work on HIV or do I try to help people breathe better I mean it's um and so I, I realized immediately that I had parts and that they were highly polarized and that I wanted to learn and study IFS. And, and that started my journey. Of course, like most people, I couldn't get into an IFS training <laughs> because they were already overbooked at that point. But yeah. I did 
find a way to meet uh, Richard Schwartz at an Esalen retreat and, and you know, ask a whole bunch of very naive questions. Uh, I remember the key one was, well, they, these parts are annoying me. Can I just get them off my boat? <laughs> <laughs> it's just, no, no, the, the point is not to, to run them down the gangway <laughs> into the right. ocean, but to... <laughs> Learn to work with them. And I said, work with them. They've been tormenting me forever. And right. I don't want to work with them. <laughs> so, you know, that's a part, Bob. Uh-huh. So so that started my journey, which led and and you know, to this day, I don't know which is more effective, the psychedelics I offer people or the IFS. Um, mm. um I do know that IFS is psychedelic in its own right. And right. But um, people in an IFS and who people who are unself in in a in a successful IFS session um, do hallucinate in ways that are very reminiscent of, of psychedelic journeys, and so yeah, and, it, and I love that as an example of how uh, the psychedelic experience doesn't actually come from the medicine; it comes from our own mind mm. that um, has been released from the pressures of having to filter everything through a materialistic or rational lens. Right. Yeah. And I, I appreciated you saying that in the ketamine assisted psychotherapy uh, training that I had with you, because you mentioned that at some point in our, in our work where you were like, yeah, IFS in itself kind of creates like a psychedelic state when parts are stepping back, right? Like these protector parts have gained trust. They've stepped back. We're accessing self-energy and then we're able to have these extraordinary, for some people, images, right? Like in their mind's eye and feelings and connections. And I always love, you know, when I'm with a client and in my own work, in my own personal work, when someone kind of has had like a 45 minute long or a 40 minute long, you know, internal experience, and then they open their eyes and they're just like, wow. <laughs> And that didn't involve any, any psychedelic, you know, nothing that was, you know, a plant medicine or something that was taken. It's just there. It's naturally there, which is so beautiful and so amazing. And that we can, yeah, invite that state. We can invite that state on our own. It's like dreaming while awake uh, mm. in some ways. And and it's true. It happens with IFS as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, I often... And typically, we'll try to do an IFS session prior to any sort of medicine session with ketamine, um, just to try to understand <clears throat> what parts are up for someone and how their protectors work and how readily they're able to to move and rest and mm-hmm. and and respond to the process. And so, just getting to know their internal family system, yeah. And, uh, but often it leads to a very psychedelic experience beforehand. You know, I, I right. remember one client who assured me that she had no spiritual life or experience and did not believe in the afterlife. Um, Her parents had died several years before and uh, she was grieving that, but, you know, it was just a lot of um, work left undone. And so we did IFS as a, as a preparatory session. And, you know, she had several layers of protectors who had to be um, befriended and who uh, had to build confidence in what we were doing so that they could rest and, and step to one side while still watching. And, you know, there was a performative part, there was a rational part, a thinking part. 
parts that keep very close track of time and uh and you know just layer after layer but after about 20 minutes of, of meeting them along the road and and asking permission for them to walk with us rather than stand in our way um you know she found herself having a conversation with her uh father and then her mother who mm. had died five years before and it was a yeah. full-fledged conversation you know the parents were saying things that surprised her um and she wasn't just you know reporting from a part that was anticipating what they might say it was she was like well you know she was surprised she seemed to be surprised by what her parents yeah. were saying and of course they had passed away two you know five years before so mm-hmm. she was speaking spiritually and connecting spiritually with um what i think would have to be called the afterlife or some spiritual um presence of her parents and it was right. profoundly healing and she went on to do ketamine but i think the ketamine experience was disappointing in some ways <laughs> the, the power <laughs> of healing was really the reconnection that she was right. able to achieve uh using ifs alone yeah Um, and that's so so. beautiful right you know that this again this awareness that if we can turn towards move towards you know and connect with these various protector parts that are there for a reason you know based on the clients maybe past experiences and you know whatever exiled wounded parts are there you know, that they're maybe covering up, but having that awareness of we can turn towards them and get to know them and befriend them to then be able to have some spaciousness to be able to have these maybe spiritual connections like that, you know, that's so, it just amazes me. <laughs> it really mm-hmm. does that. And it's one of those things where I feel like until you open yourself up to experiencing that, right, then it may not make any sense as you're listening to this, you know, or parts of you might be getting activated right now that are like, what are they talking about? (laughs) And, and those are parts, those are those are parts and, and they're there for a reason, right? And we can get to know them and build trust. So that maybe one day, they'd be willing to step back a little bit and give you that spaciousness. And so I'm curious, Robert, you know, so you, so you were able to meet Dick, which is amazing. You got IFS trained. And then how did that transition to you now doing a lot of ketamine assisted psychotherapy utilizing IFS? Well, um, yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm actually not, I'm not formally trained as a psychologist. I'm not a psychologist. And, um, and so what I know best is internal family systems and it's a very powerful paradigm that plays well with psychedelics. And, and so I have studied other modalities, um, on a limited basis, but I, this is what I do. Um, and, and I do it because I, I think it's a very powerful combination to combine psychedelics, particularly ketamine, uh, with, uh, IFS, but I know mm-hmm. it's going to work really well, even better for MDMA and IFS. Um, you feel like it was just kind of, yeah. So it, it, it sounds like then it was just kind of like this natural kind of merging of the two, because you had already had experience. It sounds like utilizing ketamine and getting trained in MDMA and then getting trained in IFS. It was, it sounds like it was kind of just like, well, I mean, yeah, this makes sense. <laughs> let's what well, all it all happened around the same time okay is, you know as i was pivoting away from you know a career in science and technology um which was based on this premise that if we just had the right knowledge and the right technology that we could solve the big problems of the world including 
you know, uh, ending HIV transmission and disease. And so it was really that crisis of faith in science and technology that led me to expand my horizons to include um, both IFS and the psychedelic experience. You know, mm-hmm. psych- the psychedelic medicines are, you know, uh, drugs or medicines like many of the other medicines I use, but the point of those medicines is to create a state of, of consciousness that allows for healing, which is mm-hmm. very different from, you know, how we might use an antidepress- an oral antidepressant. Um, right. Yeah. But I, I do think that IFS and psychedelics do play very well together. There's um, several ways that, um, that they work well together, uh, both psychedelics and IFS. Uh, require uh, continual consent um, in order to explore uh, essentially consciousness, um, you know, exiled parts of consciousness. Some people may call that subconscious, um, but it's just bubbling under um, mm-hmm. our consciousness. And, and and psychedelics give us access to that and IFS give us access to that. But to really do that safely, we have to continually seek consent. And so um, in that way, they play well together, both psychedelics and ifs embrace the multiplicity of the mind um, right and when you yeah and when you say you know constantly seeking consent could you explain what that means for maybe the listeners who don't know what that means yeah and in ifs we very explicitly learn to um pause at 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 any juncture and and ask permission and say you know is it okay if we work with that part or find out more about that story and and sometimes people will say no you know it's not okay that's way too hot and there's too much that's scary and murky in there and so mm-hmm. um, it will pivot toward uh, the part that's afraid of, of of working with that and and the rest of the session may just focus on you know what fear is and why it comes up and um, but we won't go directly to uh, material that um, a protector and the protective system has not let us go to. And, right. and the same is, is really happens with with um, uh, psychedelics. You know, oftentimes uh, the defenses are either uh, relaxed or at ease or, or they may actually become stronger and, and balanced in a different way during the psychedelic experience, but it is an extraordinary state of consciousness that uh, gives us access to um, process in mind that we wouldn't otherwise be able to see or, or, or embrace. And, and that creates an extraordinary burden consent. We have to make sure that we're not doing anything that, that, uh, that will cause a, a rebound um, in anxiety or anger. And, and, and we do see that, um, with psychedelic experience. Sometimes people will do what seems like very beautiful work during their ketamine journey, but then the next day they're, you know, they're, they have parts up and they're pissed off because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, stories got told that, you know, that part spent their whole life trying to prevent ever being told. Right. And now they're out in the open and, and, mm-hmm. and where was the therapist when the nightmares came back that night, you know? And, yeah. and, and so, um, you know, one of the cautions I've learned to teach about is that uh, when people are skilled in IFS, they often can make a lot of progress meeting exiles and working with those exiles. But you you still need to ask consent at every mm-hmm. point, because if you go too far too fast during the ketamine journey, um, when the ketamine wears off, your 
parts are going to come back and if yeah. they're angry and upset and they didn't agree to anything that you just did mm-hmm. um, you'll hear about it later that night or the next day um, people can become people can have parts that are very upset about it yeah and that makes a lot of sense and do you feel like that's again it's like that's the benefit of incorporating ifs with psychedelic work right in the what you call like the preparation sessions and the integration sessions right which we can get into more about in a bit but that again let's connect with those parts that may have fears about even just taking ketamine right like what are those parts fears about that let's hear them out let's make sure everyone within you is feeling okay with this right because i'm sure for some people who might not be having those prep sessions, they could go in, right? Maybe being driven by, again, like well-intentioned, maybe like manager parts that might be like, okay, our agenda here is we're getting rid of this depression and they have an experience and then they don't have an integration either. And then again, that's where we can have like that backlash, right? Cause then these other protector parts are like, what the heck? <laughs> Like, you know, we didn't all agree to this and now this yeah. stuff's been unlocked. Right. right. Yeah. You can't get that genie back in the bottle and. Right. And yeah. So yeah, that's, that's right, Natalie. So, you know, I think that um, informed consent in a, in a medical practice starts with a written informed consent to be treated, but that's just the beginning of the process. And mm-hmm. usually the part that's signing that form is 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 a manager part that has an agenda and part of that agenda may be to exile other parts that may be in the way like you know i was trying to get all my parts to to get pushed off the ship so i right. could have a better cruise <laughs> uh you know I, I at that point and i still have that part but you know sure. at that point i had a very strong manager that it, it had an agenda you know get these parts off of right. this uh and and um and I, I'll still hear it, you know, especially people who've heard a little bit about psychedelics, they'll fancy this idea of of um, ego death and ego mm. dissolution. And so, um, you know, I'll listen intently if someone comes in and says, "I want a really big ketamine dose or a really big dose of something, so that I could dissolve my ego." Mm. And um, and often I find that that is not always, but often that's a um, a part that wants to get rid of another part that they're calling the ego, and um, but it's 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 a, it's part against part at that point. Yeah, and I I don't um, you know I try to stay curious about that and try to get them to talk together about what um, more curiosity based goal might be about getting to know each other and. Right, And then at that point, the ego, the part that got tagged with this name ego um, may have a chance to say what it would rather be called. And then you can start calling it by its preferred name. Mm. And, um, and, 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 you know, it may be willing to rest or dissolve or whatever you want to call it. Some of those parts do want to dissolve, um, Mm -hmm. but then, but then they always reform and, and, Mm -hmm. uh, but they can reform in a way that's less burdened by uh, what they've been carrying. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And would you care to share what is ketamine? Because <laughs> I know we just kind of dived into it and we're, we're talking about it. But for people who are listening that may have heard of ketamine or maybe they've never heard of ketamine, how would you describe it? What is it? 
Well, it's it's a uh, it's a medicine that is FDA approved as a anesthetic medicine. It's been around. It was FDA approved in nineteen seventy two, I believe, as an anesthetic. So it's used to this day um, uh, for a number of different operations. If if people have a bone surgery, orthopedic surgery, almost certainly they get ketamine because there's. Uh, good evidence that getting ketamine during bone surgery uh, reduces uh, requirements for uh, opiate-based painkillers afterwards. Mm. Um, and then ketamine is also used in emergency rooms for procedures um, that have, that would otherwise be painful. Uh, ketamine is, uh, and it's, uh, ketamine is often used for C-sections. Um, mm. Uh, and it's the anesthetic of choice for uh, children having surgery, many types of surgery. Um, it's used extensively in our, in our intensive care units. That's how I became very familiar with ketamine. Okay. Um, but it was found that um, ketamine, uh, actually it was anesthesiologists uh, that found that when people are coming out of ketamine anesthesia, they would have this, what anesthesia calls emergent syndromes that look a little like um, hallucinations. Uh, they would call it psychosis, but um, it's it's hallucinations. And it could be disturbing if you're not prepared for it. I mean, if you thought you were going in to get a bone set and you come out, you know, imagining yourself walking through tunnels toward heaven, then, you mm. know, that's, that's, it can come as a surprise <laughs> that is right. uh, alarming. Uh, and, and it can feel like death. And, you know, mm. so um, anesthesia learned early on that they could prevent these hallucinations by giving uh, a class of medicines called benzodiazepines, things like Valium or Ativan. Oh. And that essentially eliminates the, the psych psychedelic uh, ketamine experience. Oh, okay. So, That's interesting. Yeah. So it's, you know, I think the take home point though is ketamine is a, an approved anesthetic. It's a it's a bona fide medicine. It's uh, it's commonly used. Um, it was invented to be a safe anesthetic, and so mm. uh, and and it's 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 really fit that bill very well. Mm -hmm. um, ketamine does not um, suppress respiratory drive. In fact, it enhances respiratory drive in some people. Uh, ketamine does not reduce blood pressure. In fact, it increases blood pressure, not extremely, but uh, similar to uh, active exercise. Um, and so ketamine's um, a better, a safer anesthetic uh, for many procedures because it doesn't um, doesn't have the dangers that other kinds of anesthesia has. Okay. And, and then and then ketamine at a very tiny dose allows for this kind of psychedelic experience where people mm -hmm. um, uh, have extraordinary states of consciousness, but they're not anesthetized. Uh, but I think it is, it, it's relevant to know that ketamine is, it really offers different experiences at different doses. Um, at the very lowest dose, it doesn't alter consciousness at all. Um, so some people use ketamine for pain control. Mm. I'm not advocating that. That's not part of my practice, but I know that that does happen in the medical world. And then there's a slightly higher dose where ketamine has uh, this um, empathogenic effect. It feels a little like MDMA might feel, you know, just uh, heart opening. People want to tell stories in a, in a, in a self-accepting way. Um, and so uh, at a slightly higher dose, ketamine becomes more like what we call a classic psychedelic where people have hallucinations. They can sometimes be visual. Sometimes it's just a sense of space. Sometimes it's a, a feeling, but you know, like with IFS, some people um, 
interact with their parts in a very visual way. Some people have no visual interactions at all. And so it is with ketamine. Some people have very visual hallucinations when they're on this sort of middle level of ketamine. And then others just have a sense of being in a place that uh, that is feels like home or feels mm. like it's connected in very profound ways. And okay. then if you increase the dose still higher, you get to the anesthetic dose. And so um, people... I know that I've given too much ketamine to someone because they'll come out of their experience and say, well, I, I don't remember anything of mm. what just happened. I just know that I feel a little dizzy. <laughs> I say, you know, oh, that was too high a dose. <laughs> yeah. Because that's not what we're hoping for. We're hoping for an expansion of consciousness, not anesthesia. Okay. And, 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 and that's, I think, also relevant because people often will want as big a dose of psychedelics as their guide is or their doctor is willing to give them and and so i'll tell all of my prospective clients that more ketamine is not better more ketamine right. is not more psychedelic more ketamine is anesthetic and, yes you know, that's not the point here right and so if someone's going to because nowadays i feel like we're seeing a lot more ketamine clinics mm-hmm. popping up around different cities and so if someone's going to a ketamine clinic it's usually, would you say like intravenous and what level, I guess, of a dose are they typically giving? Does it depend on each person or is it kind of typically more kind of a set level of an experience? It depends, it depends on the practice. Um, and uh, uh, the intravenous ketamine um, clinics are often giving low doses. Okay. Um, so so uh um and 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 they'll escalate the dose um uh, depending on a, a number of factors what the person needs uh, hopefully is the main factor what do they mm-hmm. need to have the most healing experience some ketamine clinics will keep the dose very very low because um they don't really feel uh competent to, to uh escalate the dose very much um you know some of those clinics are run by um psychiatrists who you know, we're just learning again how to check the blood pressure and do things mm-hmm. like that. Um, but, you know, uh, but, you know, many of the psychiatry um, run clinics are also giving dose escalation whenever the person needs it. So it's okay. anesthesia is very comfortable giving higher doses of ketamine. So the anesthesia based clinics will often give more ketamine whenever it's needed. And so, yeah. So the idea, though, is to start low. And then, and then hopefully find a clinic that will, will escalate the dose if you need it, um, but not beyond the point that you need it. The more is not better. You just right. enough is what you want. And, yeah. and this is over, over several sessions. Um, Correct. Yeah. Intravenous can be a very good way to get ketamine. Um, I, I believe though that ketamine combined with psychotherapy is the pathway toward transformation toward durable change mm-hmm. and ketamine just opens an opportunity to do deeper psychotherapeutic work um and and i don't think that can happen if you're getting your ketamine in a large room with four or five other people who are all being supervised by the same infusion nurse mm-hmm. and and some clinics are, are based on that model because they want you know one nurse who can supervise several clients um Mm -hmm. it's a good business model but it doesn't create the best opportunity for deep psychotherapeutic work correct Um, but there are clinics coming up that do infusion ketamine including my own i offer infusion ketamine for some of my clients most of my clients receive intramuscular injections but i do infusions 
um, if I if I think that that's the best way because um, of of their psychodynamic issues. Um, right. I always uh, I'm working one on one or in very small groups of people who know each other um, because I think that 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 IFS like psychotherapeutic process is the road toward transformation and ketamine is really just facilitating and lubricating that process. Exactly. And could you describe who would benefit? Like why would someone, I guess, turn towards ketamine and psychotherapy put together? Is it someone who has anxiety? Is it someone who has depression? Someone who has PTSD? Who who are what are the types, I guess, of um, of, of what we call symptoms or experiences that someone might be having that could then benefit from ketamine and psychotherapy? Well, I, I think, uh, um, let, let's answer this first, just based on ketamine. Why, when, when is ketamine, um, uh, known to be a good drug and, and, um, and, you know, I think the best established, um, conditions that respond well to ketamine are depression, especially treatment resistant depression, uh, especially if there's some suicidality as part of that. Um, and, and that suicidality often creates a pressure in the system in some sense that something has to be done um, and, and something does have to be done. And, um, and so ketamine is uh, particularly well-established as being effective for depression and for suicidality. So those are the two best established uh, indications for ketamine, call them indications, reasons for using um, ketamine. And, um, you know, I think an, another feature of ketamine that's that's very valuable is that it, it actually, it interacts with a different receptor in the brain than most psychedelics. Most psychedelics are interacting with the serotonin system. And, um, and it means that uh, psychedelics often do not play well with uh, oral antidepressant therapies um, like SSRIs or tricyclics or right and, and so oftentimes people have to come off of their oral antidepressants before they can do MDMA mm -hmm. um, and in fact that's that's the current practice that's the rule for MDMA is they have to come off their SSRIs because they're both serotonergic and um, MDMA and SSRIs are serotonergic. Ketamine's playing with a different receptor. It, it binds the glutamate receptor. And so um, uh, SSRIs have no impact on ketamine experiences and we don't have to taper anyone off of their antidepressants. It could be that they can and should taper off of their antidepressants after they've uh, healed with ketamine, but they don't have to try to taper off their antidepressants before we give them ketamine. So that's another advantage, I think, of ketamine. Is it? Yeah. Another advantage, I think, is that it's legal, and that's mm -hmm. that's key. Is it's a legal psychedelic, and um, MDMA and psilocybin hopefully will become legal sometime in the next several years. And, right. And, uh, you know, thanks to Maps and Compass and USONA and all the investigators that they're organized with, um, you know, I think that um, the uh, MDMA and psilocybin becoming medicines that uh, are legal like ketamine uh, may happen uh, hopefully soon. Ketamine's Absolutely. already here. It's already legal. And, uh, and that matters. Uh, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, I, I like that clients coming to me for ketamine. I, I never have to ask them to keep any secrets. Right. Obviously, 
their confidentiality is paramount mm-hmm. and I won't share anything about their experience. That's my ethical and legal obligation under privacy rules. But, um, you know, I think that um, the fact that ketamine is legal means that the client is free to share with uh, whoever they want, where they got it and how they got it and what it was yeah. like. And um, and I, I I really do not like asking anyone to keep a secret. I think yeah. secrets are poisonous and, and a lot of trauma that gets very deeply embedded is uh, shrouded by some part that thinks it has to keep secrets. And so right. I, you know, I, I want to open up um, the process rather than to ask anyone to keep a secret. Um, yeah, I'll, and that I'll, makes, I'll, yeah. yeah, that makes so much sense, right? And I know that there's, and, and I hope too, that with MDMA and psilocybin, that it becomes legalized as, as much as possible so that it, it doesn't have to feel like you're saying, like the secret weight for mm-hmm. some people who are seeking that out. Because as we know, through all this beautiful research, there's great benefit to those to those medicines as well. And like you're saying, ketamine at this moment in, in this time, it's legal. And so that's where, yeah, people can definitely utilize this medicine and its benefits. And, you know, so going into ketamine-assisted psychotherapy, how would you describe that that typically looks? Because people might be listening being like, okay, well, I've been to a ketamine clinic and, you know, they're not providing typically, it's not psychotherapy, right? Like you said, it's maybe you're in a room with other people, intravenous, you do your sessions and maybe there's a check-in, right? And then you go home. And so how would you describe what does ketamine-assisted psychotherapy look like? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and, uh, you know, I think the, it, it looks like IFS um, for in my practice uh, during the preparation sessions and uh, at the beginning of the ketamine session, I'll try to use IFS to get into some self-energy, to find a place of curiosity um, before giving ketamine. And then during integration, we also work with parts and do IFS. Uh, the ketamine session itself is often um, very inward moving and very non-directive. So, um, and, you know, I think IFS gives us those principles of uh, the guide is not guiding. They're not trying to push the system in any particular way. Um, I think we're in self when we don't have an agenda. And, and that's the way to hold space for someone um, who's uh, been given ketamine. Oftentimes ketamine, especially at the somewhat higher, more classically psychedelic doses, um, is a very inward facing journey that um, disconnects people from their verbal centers. So they can answer a question if you ask a specific question, like, you know, Natalie, how are you? And you'll say, wow, or something. Um, so you'll come up with a word, but, you know, words seem almost superfluous uh, for many people in that in that space. And it's best to just leave them be and let them be with uh, whatever they're experiencing. And so I start working with parts as they come out of the ketamine experience um, and, you know, ask them, what's up? What are they noticing? It's almost an EMDR kind of prompt. What are you noticing? And people will often have um, you know, things that they're noticing, but every every minute or, or not every minute, but every five minutes or so, I'll ask the same question. They're noticing something out very different. Mm. <laughs> and so uh, I'll wait until they get out of the ketamine enough so that they can start focusing on a part. Because mm-hmm. I think IFS really 
starts to have traction if, if you can really focus on the part. And that's part of the process that IFS therapists learn to, to foster and recognize. So and it sounds... once they can start focusing on a part, then you can work with that part and right. do some amazing work with it. Yeah. So it sounds like, and this was what you had mentioned in the, in our training with you was again, like the importance of like those preparation sessions to connecting with any parts that might be present that have agendas or have fears and then making sure that they're accessing curiosity, at least curiosity, yeah. openness, and then sitting with the person like at your clinic, you know, where they're able to receive the ketamine experience and, and then like you or someone else is sitting there that's trained and then allowing them to just have their experience. And then as like, you're saying, they're coming out of it, that then that's kind of, would you say that's then the beginning of the integration? Yeah. Is then when you're that's checking in with them. Integration. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, yeah. Yeah. So the, the, now, uh, yes, you're, you're right. Now, at an at a, at a even lower dose of ketamine, it's it's possible to use ketamine in, in what sometimes is called a psycholytic dose, which is, is even lower than the psychedelic dose. And, and that really just softens the system. And, creates and people can be talking, there. like they can and be people. like sitting there with you and talking right. while they're, yeah, okay. Right. So at that at that very lowest dose, that um, you know, that really just facilitates um IFS. And that kind of IFS session looks like any other IFS session. Um, there's just a little bit of ketamine being used and, and people are still very connected with their verbal centers. They can use their their words. Um, you know, the only difference would be that that um there may be a little more self-energy, or hopefully a, a more self-energy and and um and, and there may be longer latency between the question and the answer. You know, mm. one question we often ask in IFS is how are you feeling toward the part? Um, and, you know, absent any medicine, sometimes you still have to wait a minute or two to get an answer to that question. With ketamine, it may be more like four or five minutes before mm. someone will come back and say, you know, I'm feeling whatever they're feeling about it. Yeah. And, um, so the latency of the response can be longer if there's uh, even a little bit of ketamine involved, but it's worth the wait. <laughs> it's definitely right. worth the wait. <laughs> yeah. Patience okay. is a quality of self. And, it is. And certainly a, a good uh, quality to have if you're sitting uh, for someone um, receiving medicine as, as well. Mm -hmm. as, uh, doing yeah. And, you know, so let's say if someone is able to go to a ketamine clinic, but not necessarily be able to take ketamine with a psychotherapist or a physician that's trained, you know, like an IFS, is it still beneficial for them to maybe go to an IFS therapist, have their preparation sessions, and then go to like a ketamine clinic, have their experience, and then be able to also then meet with their IFS practitioner or therapist for that integration? Yeah, I think that works. That works really well. Is um, just uh, schedule the IFS session for later that day or or the next day, and I, I think you can get most of the juice that ketamine uh, offers. That's really great to know, right? Because mm -hmm. not everyone has a facility like like Healing Realms, and but yeah, there's a number of ketamine clinics like we've talked about that have popped up, and so that's I feel like that's something that that's good to know, and that people can still go experience that 
and still have like the psychotherapy piece of the prep and the integration. Yeah. And, you know, like a lot of things, I think ketamine uh, does offer us an opportunity to become even better IFS therapists. And one way that it does that, and, and I'll encourage IFS therapists who are working in this way, where, you know, they're seeing people later in the day after ketamine is, is really to come in to that session in a brand new way, um, you know, cleanse away any sort of expectation about how your client might be. Because everything, every part that you've been working with may already be different. And so, um, you know, we know that we learn that in IFS training is to really approach every interaction with an open heart and a curiosity mm -hmm. rather than expectation. But it's it's nice to really get to practice that mm -hmm. after ketamine because your your client might be a very different system than the one yeah. you worked with yesterday. And the issues that drove their conversation over the last year or two or more might just not be there in the same yeah. way and 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 you know be be ready for uh, mm. a brand new client it's you know it's it's uh you know robert grant version 2.0 it's uh <laughs> um, and 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 so you know do a new intake and do it <laughs> yeah know, everything, everything's new and, yeah that's uh, so that's that's really cool isn't it that that can be possible that it can have such a, a shift for, for someone. And, and then, yeah, as the, as the therapist, it's, it's, yeah, that just kind of that openness of like, yeah. So what do you notice? <laughs> who's exactly. here? You know? <laughs> yeah. Who's in the room? And, yeah. And, who's uh, here? Well, and, thank you. you know, I think good yeah. IFS therapists do that anyway. You know, they'll, you know, they make exactly. touch base on if, uh, you know, if an exile was accessed in a prior session, it is good to, I think, to check in and make sure that that exile hasn't been pushed back into exile or hasn't been forgotten. But, you know, we don't, it's not like other forms of therapy where you try to continue on building upon past. And I right. we just, what's up for you and, and go with that. And uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, thank you. Yeah. Robert for again, coming on here and, and talking about all this. And is there anything you want to uh, share about healing realms and services that you all are providing currently trainings, anything like that? Yeah. Well, um, you know, my, uh, our mission is to develop the clinical craft of, of, uh, psychedelic assisted psychotherapy, starting with ketamine. And, um, and so we, uh, have a very active clinical practice based in San Francisco. It's um, me and and people that I've uh, trained over several years, and and it's not just my training. They've learned their own art and craft, and so I'm learning from others. Uh, we do trainings, uh, live online trainings in basic ketamine, as well as there's one coming, um, hasn't been scheduled yet, but uh, in ketamine assisted IFS. Um, uh, we're adding, bringing more spirituality considerations into our trainings because I think that kind of experience is very important in the healing process. Um, and then we do experiential trainings for people who've sort of learned the nuts and bolts of ketamine. Then we have people come and 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 they pair off and they sit for each other, uh, giving and receiving ketamine, um, and so that they can get the practice and know mm -hmm. what it's like to actually be in the room when it happens. Yeah, so beautiful. We have. Uh, all of those trainings and currently we only have the online training that's happening right now but we're um, oh in consultation groups i'm uh, offering 
small groups of people who want to present cases um, that um, they're struggling with or that they want to learn from. Great. And what is the website? Yeah, the website is find? Healing Realm Center. So it's Healing Realm Center, all one word, healingrealmcenter.com. And you can find our clinical and educational offerings there, including our case consultation groups, um, which uh, in the current formulation of that, you don't have to sign up for a whole series. You can sign up for one at a time, find out if, okay. like it, if it's helpful and, and do more if you want. And otherwise you don't, you can come and go as you please. Um, yeah, that's great. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And yeah, thank you for, for sharing everything that you all are doing through Healing Realms. That's really amazing work. And I will put the website link in the show notes for people that want to easy click to find those courses and groups and, and all those services. Well, thank you, Robert, so much again for coming on and sharing all of your amazing wisdom and and knowledge about all this stuff. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Natalie, for um, curating this series, and it's it's good work, and I'm so happy to see you again. It's so nice to see you too. All right, everyone, I will talk to you all next time. Bye.